I'm Siri. I'm like Ray, but I'm a witcher, and I'm gonna be a great witcher, and me and Geralt, we're gonna be the best witchers of all the witches. <laughs> That's how I hear Siri in my head. Oh, God bless her. He has to make plenty of compromising decisions to protect Siri once he's decided to do that. Spoiler alert, it's at the end of the season already, and it's gonna be for the whole thing. It's Geralt and Siri. I'm Siri. I'm gonna be a witcher with Geralt, the best witcher of all the witches. Here we are, baby. Which season one, episode two. Netflix original series. Uh, this is it, guys. So look, we, we we've got Siri. Okay, we know Yennefer is a co-lead, like in the books and the games. So we've got to get the transformation. We've already been teased big time that there's going to be a lot of pre-beautiful, pre-powerful Yennefer. Her origin story that is hinted at constantly but never fully told. We get here. And it would be great. Uh, they just mentioned surprise. Don't forget that. Um, but as I've been saying in the podcast more and more, my, my biggest concern, and I, but I think that I thought the thing that would ultimately sell it to p- average people who did want to have fun was Dandelion, a.k.a. Jaskier. Uh, guys, I'm just from now on. I'll say this once a podcast. I'm mostly going to call him Dandelion because I'm not even thinking half the time. And the other half, he's, he's just Dandelion. But I'm cool with Jaskier. It's just for me to be as passionate talking about how much I love this annoying, arrogant character so much in the books. Uh, he, he's Dandelion um, or, or even Julian. Um, but I, I felt like they had to have both the humor and the camaraderie with him and Geralt, even if it was constantly going in and out, which is the case. Oh, here she is, Hunchback Yennefer. Yennefer without all the powers, Yennefer. Purple eyes. Purple eyes look great. Although a lot of people noticed it. I think as I was looking for it and used to the purple eyes, I wasn't noticing and looking at it, which is usually a good sign of the effect being con. This is, you know... We had to see people close to her abusing her. It's implied heavily. We're beating the shit out of her. Oh, she wakes up. A little gin or so there. <laughs> child! My child! Oh, God, so great. God bless you for us. I don't care. Um, and so, in The Last Wish... So this is all stuff that happens well before any of the books. It is taken, again, from things we are told, that we are heard, or heard some things that come later that take... Oops, sorry about that. That take place early, earlier, like this. Um, boy, is this character complicated. We'll get to him. Um, but uh, looks like you portaled in. Oh, did she portal? Oh! How does she know to go to him, though, with her very first trick? Tower of the Gaul, right? That's where they try to where they train not the witchers, the sorceresses, the huntresses. Boop, slaps him. Wow. <laughs> He's already impressed by the magic. Istred is another character. There's so many good guys that turn bad guys or turn out to be sort of bad or really bad or not as bad. That's a lot of those guys. And by getting these younger, more diverse, but more subtle actors and portrayals, it's actually going to be easier to follow, I think, on the TV show over time than the books. 
But while I was looking forward to pre-transformation Jennifer and her her, tra- her you know her twisted somewhat light side somewhat dark side you know Jedi training or whatever here at Aratusa the academy, I I, I I I wanted and needed Dandelion to work immediately and it works baby it works faster than I ever could have expected and. It, it's almost a shame because this is like an Oscar-worthy performance here, or at least borderline, you know, Emmy-worthy performance throughout this and the next episode as Yennefer has her transformation um, become something that she and no one else imagined on every level. Uh, it's, for me, it, just in terms of the lore, a little overshadowed by Geralt and Dandelion, Jaskier, because... It's something I actually missed in my first time through The Last Wish when I was just... I played The Witcher a lot, but I was still getting acquainted with the much earlier stories um, that are in The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny and that inform the season here, as we've been talking about. Um, and uh, I, I, Dandel, let's put it this way. Two of the most important characters, Dandelion and Trist Marigold, to varying levels, are not great in The Witcher 3. They're the only ones that are that are not translated well or not given a new version. As, as many have said, and I, I support the notion that Geralt is so, very similar, but also very different in, between the games and here. And Henry Cavill is like right in the middle of all the portrayals, which is what you want. Um, to get like, all the audiences in and to be the Geralt that most of us who are familiar with all the portrayals um, and, love, and love the property, we, we wanted to see a fusion and we got it. Here's the here's the magic lady. She knows about the portal jumping, and she wants to take the kid. I love this. I bought into the portrayal of this woman as not just cold, but maybe a bad, abusive guy. And while she does, you know, kill some of her students as part of the process, it seemingly, and does, you know, say not so nice things, calling, you know, Jennifer Piglet, for example. Um, but in the end, as we will see, really within this or in the next episode, Jennifer has a, a dark but real love for her. Um, and, uh, and by the end of the series, we for sure see it as, you know, Obi-Wan confesses to his lies and sins and if, you know, as with Yoda and gives the final messages. So just seeing screenshots of gorgeous Anya Chalotra, who is only 23, the co-lead of this show with a very well-established actor, Henry Cavill, one of the most complicated characters in all of sci-fi and fantasy in Yennefer from Vengerberg, and she's directing episodes, 23 years old, half Indian woman, half English woman, uh, is, is so impressive. And then I saw photos of her being the hunchback Yennefer, and just the physical portrayal and shots like this that we saw either briefly in video or in photo, I was like, she's already acting her ass off i don't even need to hear one word and then you hear in interviews she's like okay she's got the seductive uh, but very uh um dark-edged and often cold yennefer kind of voice um uh, sort of um not 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 hostile but you know very bottled up here she is a little mirror action and what's so heartbreaking through ultimately look Spoiler you've watched the series. The final scene with, with, with the hug, uh, the final shots with the hug. Oi, she's mad. Hitting the glass is Yennefer. Um, with the hug of Siri and, and, and Geralt, which is straight from the book. I would have actually made that scene longer and dwelled on it, because in the book, Siri is pounding on his chest, but out of happiness and saying over and over again, you're my destiny, you're my destiny. Say it. Say you're my destiny. Say you're my destiny. Say you're my destiny. She just wants to hear it. She wants it to be real, even though she knows Geralt. And it gives Siri a great chance of some uh, last-minute dialogue exposition, character exposition that you weren't expecting. 
What does Geralt say? Does he say, I am your destiny? Or does he, I think Geralt says you're something a whole lot more. Let me look that up for you. Here's where we go. The beautiful Witcher logo. Okay. So, Sorella, Siri, a line Capacentra, the child surprise, the ugly one, the beautiful one, the one who transcends space and time. This actress already nailed it at, at so many levels in the first episode. You know, the only issue for season one for, for Freya Allen as the actress is, you know, because the situation changes from good to bad so dramatically for her people at the beginning of the first episode, um, she can show that she's funny and cute and sweet, um, but also royal and princess-like, uh, and then also be scared on the run, and then get magical powers, and then, you know, all the stuff that we see going forward some magical powers, mostly just horribleness or horribleness on the horizon. This is straight from the book. They had to do it because, and they revisit this in a different way in Witcher 3, where she's much older, much more powerful, but she's also taking on much more, and they think she's legitimately dead. Like, she's normally a Sokotano who keeps coming back to life or never really dies. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, but they think she's really dead much in the future when she's much older. Um, uh, you know, if she's supposed to be 10, 12, 13 here, you know, the series in the video game is like already the early 20s or whatever. But, um, anyways. She was going to just be more on the run. So, okay, we need to get Yennefer, who I'm already sold on. I was already sold beforehand. You know I love strong young female leads. I don't care if they're crazy and borderline bad. Uh, you know, I love the Scarlet Witch, not only because I saw potential Elizabeth Olsen as, as the Scarlet Witch immediately in Ultron, but it, even despite the fact that being an X-Men nerd, I also know that that character ultimately goes crazy, kills most of the mutants, and tries to destroy the universe, and just loses her mind in a very sad and tragic way. Um, because both her actual family, Quicksilver and Magneto and so forth, but also her, you know, adoptive mutant family. Um, but that launches the, the, the awesome renewal of the Messiah complex and hope and cable from the future, which we see in Deadpool two. And so I'm just excited for that actress. You know, I love Ray and I love Siri here. I'm Siri gonna be the best of all the witches. Um, sorry guys, Siri gets her theme music every time, at least once. You know, Siri's what it's all about. It's, she has a heart of gold like Ray, even though she goes through a lot more torture and torment on various levels and just a longer journey because it's a series of books as opposed to three movies. And I just want to thank and give congratulations to Daisy Ridley for doing always the best she can with the material that she gets, which is all I can ask of actors especially young ones with a little experience. Freya gets amazing material here, Freya Allen as Siri. And, you know, look, we start with the killing of a giant spider, and here there's a goat creature who brings them to evil elves, or elves with bad intentions. But like in the book, a goat creature immediately starts regretting it and doesn't want them to die. He's just pissed. He's caught between the elves and the humans. as a weird goat creature. You know, the devil with the horns. He's not a devil uh, whatsoever. It's kind of a sweetheart. When he sees the elves start torturing them or, or threat to torture them, he's, he's horrified. Um, and so that's the beginning of people who may not know the series well being like, we thought the guy was a monster hunter, but now he's negotiating with the monsters and wants to not kill them. And they're actually more reasonable than some other characters, good and bad, um, that's going on. But having this elf guy, so Kalinthi is the obvious, you know, not part of the main cast, but a major character MVP for me, Queen Kalente. I mean, the introduction of Triss is great, but they're saving her and they really pulled back on, on the emotionalness of Triss really quickly. Uh, I was going to say the two characters they didn't do right, in my opinion, uh, in The Witcher 3 are Dandelion, who has an annoying American accent instead of a prissy, pretentious English accent. And, and, and along with the writing, it just doesn't sound like Dandelion. And so I think that's why I missed the story that we haven't started yet <clears throat> that's coming, though, in the bulk of, this, of the, the, the 
bulk of the series, dude. That's going to be bulk of the episode. Um, is of course the meaning and mis- first misadventure of Geralt and Yaskier, aka Dandelion, the Bard, and the Bard wanting to make Geralt famous. Him realizing that they're going to be buddies before Geralt does, um, and. Uh, Generally, way more likable than the dandelion in the book. Takes all of the best qualities: the loyalty and the f- and the charm and the bad jokes and the sometimes good songs, sometimes great songs, sometimes bad songs. Like all the great qualities, lovable qualities of, of Yaskier in the book, the dandelion or dandelion they bring to the screen here. Um, but I, this kid, you know, he has way more screen time than it seems, and he's with her from now all the way through Blavikin Woods where they meet the dryads who aren't fully described. I guess if you're a, a hardcore um, booker, bookist, booker. Oh, he disappears for a while. Rat boy. He's an elf, of course. What I was getting to is, you know, in the first episode, there's an evil spider, just a bad spider. In the second episode, there's a goat creature and some bad elves, but the bad elves turn out to be not the worst when they're reasoned with, and the goat creature turns out really to be not a bad thing after he's reasoned with. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I gotta turn this up, guys. This actor is spectacular. I knew musically what we were hearing. He was spectacular. He's totally like one of the drunk Les Mis uh, schoolboys, you know, which is exactly the portrayal they should have done. Um, lascivious, you know, uh, drinking, way overly confident, way overly egotistical, but lovable. They get an abortion. That, the song's going great. And then he mentions an abortion and they all go crazy. There's so much meaning on that level. Unbelievable. This guy's great. So anyways, once you hear, once you not only read much more, uh, still arrogant, and com- but much more complicated and interesting and funny Dandelion, Dandelion in the books, uh, especially when Peter Kenny reads it or just reading it, and then you see this, you're like, okay, they picked, in this case, they picked Dandelion straight from the books and they were right to. The other character I was going to say, as these two get to know each other, I, I'm not going to, I could read all these lines because I think it's, everything between these two is brilliant. And it's, I said the two things I wanted were a lot of sorceress stuff and a lot of development and focus on Yen and we got that and the other was these two spending lots of time as buddies where where Dandelion was annoying but was actually you know kind of more likable and relatable but truly not just selfishly like truly wants to be Geralt's friend um, for some obvious and some less obvious reasons they nail here Geralt is just I guess still dealing with the murder of Blaviken so Dandelion here, who's a who is a good bard, but he hasn't established fame. It, it did. Um, it's unclear whether he came from a rich family or a poor family. It, there's a couple different interpretations. I'm sure there's a lore thing about it. My my feeling is he came from not a rich family because he acts like someone who's new to wealth. But he also acts like someone you know who has a you know a golden shoe in his fucking pocket or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, right. And this is great. They overhear, you know, Dandelion talking about Witcher, and this guy immediately says, we have a problem. And so I was going to say was the purists, you know, will say that they don't nearly cover this story enough. The problem is to fully tell the goat and elf story, you could not have the Yennefer story. And I'm thinking now on my third watch, maybe they should have just done all Yennefer in three and all Dandelion and, and Geralt in two. Like literally no Yennefer here and then combine Yennefer two and three um, into episode three, um, even if it's spilt over into four or was briefly teased here and mostly about this and honestly, after that brief intro of Yennefer, and this is why I, I've always complained about shows going a full hour, but I've never complained in any of these episodes sort of mentally or did I notice in a negative way that it was going an hour because it, it felt like, they, if anything, they were rushing too much and the purists are going to say this story isn't told long enough. And, and I would say of all the great stories, 
that they you know shorten to varying degrees by necessity or work in and it's going to be short but at least they worked it in kind of thing you know there's all different levels when it comes to adaptation right yeah right i can be your marker he, which is what happens but you're a blevican the white wolf it's amazing that Geralt hasn't beat this guy down already. Oh, no, he does. He punches him right here. <laughs> I think it's a nut punch. I'm for sure that Harry Cavill went through with that punch, and the actor, Joey Batesy or Batesy or whatever, was fine with it. They already have hilarious comedy. You know, I don't think comedy between buddies needs to be that complicated. They just need to have good chemistry and good timing. And if the material is, is decent in terms of the one-liners and the back and forth, it's going to work. We saw it with Chris Tucker and fucking Jackie Chan, for God's sake. That wasn't necessarily going to work. Brilliant. Rush hour. Um, and so because the books don't jump back and forth between uh, major storylines within chapters, at least the early ones that are sort of semi-short stories, semi-novelized, that this season is based on The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny. Now I'm just saying you can't go home. Um and so uh, they were uh, they were going to have to start intercutting by episode three, four, or five, no doubt, um, with all the huge political stuff and characters and so forth. And Siri, they're already cutting with Siri. I would have still cut with Siri in every episode, but I think it would have been more effective to do the longer version be- of the Dandelion story with with Geralt in the in the elves in in the ram, weird ram, uh, you know, creature or whatever, um, go creature, because. There is more humor to be gotten there. Dandelion is ends up not just being a jokester, but taking it very seriously, thinking he's actually going to die and being very scared and, and sort of rationally scared and irrationally, you know, scared at the same time. Like most normal humans, you know, he is the cipher for humans. That's the whole point of the, of is annoying and and you know offbeat and pretentious as he can be and arrogant. We still ultimately love him, and he says the, the thing that everyone's thinking, like Baltar. <laughs> Someone like uh, uh, I don't know if I want to go there. If you Battlestar, you'll see some vague connections with both Baltar and Peter Dinklage's uh, Tyrion Lannister. And they're playing him more like a Tyrion Lannister, which is exactly what they should do. Fringella. This is setting up all the major, basically, the basic enchantresses who are going to go through shit to varying levels the next couple hundred years if they survive and then be fighting with or uh, like Fringella and some others fighting against each other um, for various kingdoms and what they perceive as the good guys or the bad guys or the whatever. This woman's amazing. So after Kalinthi, in terms of the, the older, mature, secondary, but major secondary characters, uh, this woman um, is, is absolutely, absolutely spectacular. Two things. Balance and control, right? And she and she keeps, you know, as we, and that's the, the Star Wars, other Star Wars connection is like Jedi are constantly told to keep it balanced, keep it under control, keep it balanced and control. But when is Ahsoka the strongest? When is Anakin the strongest? But certainly, even good all around good guys like Obi Wan, he's the strongest too. When he's pissed, when Qui Gon dies, all of a sudden, boom, 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 Darth Maul done, uh, and he does it again as an old guy, boom, 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 Darth Maul done. Does Obi Wan Kenobi? And so, like in Star Wars, there are many mirrors, but one of them that might be under the surface for some people who aren't deep dive force people is that the teacher here realizes that they've been wrong with this particular student and in the moment of need where they need Yennefer to be like a dark phoenix you know 11 out of 10 powered superhero uh here come becomes the torture of the failing of the yep yeah. and is never going to forget this less particular lesson 
Fringilla, excuse me. So, again, so if uh, all of the main characters are great. Uh, of the main important secondary characters in numerous episodes, of course, it's a lot of strong females, but the first is, um, is Queen Kalinthe, uh, in my book, um, played by Jody May. God bless you, Jody May. Uh, but the second is definitely, so we see Frangela, Mimi, and Wendy, um, who's another young breakout actress, I think, um, uh, it, it, who's ultimately turned out to be the bad guy, you know, um, sorceress Fran- Franchilla. Sabrina, uh, we see again, um, uh, sorry, Tiffany, I believe is, is the, is the woman, the woman in charge here. That can't be possible. She's been in nothing. Oh no, Tessia. <laughs> right. It's Tessia. I read the wrong person. Yeah. My Anna Burring is Swedish. Good to get some more Viking representation, considering there's tons of Vikings in the Witcher universe, basically. Their version of Scandinavians. And so far, it's been more, little too subtle for the Bizzle. These two are amazing together. And, you know, they totally, from a logistical acting and production standpoint, did not need um, this spectacular middle-aged woman uh, who's playing Tessia, Mayanna Burring, to be there at, at the end of all things in the final episode or two. But I think they were like, Yennefer actually needs the pump-up speech and the only living with, without, with her alienation from Geralt and she doesn't really respect anyone. Well, it's the one person who could come and give her the pump-up speech even if she ended up dying in the end, which, spoiler alert, I think Tessia does die. I have another thing I forget after two watchings already. Uh, she's certainly close to death or dead. Um, to get the pump-up speech from her teacher who they've been stormy with, but, uh, you know, in the back of her head has always been like a mother figure and certainly treated her better than her original family did. Um, by the way, this episode is called uh, Four Marks, and that's referring to some direct stuff. Um, I wonder if it's also a, a play on top uh, full marks or top marks, you know, as sort of like head of the class. I think it is full marks. Um, because she goes from the bottom of the class to the top of the class throughout the episode as quote-unquote ugly or hunchbacked Jennifer. So between the time... My only concern is... So because the shooting of everything around Siri is gorgeous, if dark, and Freya Allen is spectacular and plays Siri totally like Siri in, in this early part of, of the saga or pre-saga, whatever you want to call it, um, because of that, it's not a problem. But because every time we see her, it's a time jump forward from everything we're seeing from the other main characters for the moment, uh, combined with your, like, why is this woman girl so important? You know? so The reason a show like The Expanse that I've mentioned recently, that I like, I've always liked or wanted to like a lot it only gotten good in four is because it moved so way too slowly with some of the side characters and how they connected this is one season in eight episodes where they lead exactly where the sort of destiny leaves with her and Geralt meeting and then officially going into training next season it's, that's literally the next thing to happen in the witcher saga um whatever you want to call it um and that's what they do in the series again i would have lingered longer uh, on the final meeting maybe i'm just a sap that way um but maybe some people were like okay the siri girl we know she's a princess we've seen that she's got powers but then we see her mother with the super crazy powers at the wedding with dooney and the hedgehog and so or dooney the hedgehog i should say um is this the first time she's abused by peasants oh is phil evangel 
Okay, so another thing I should know is Phil Vigil, the elf that that Geralt's about to deal with. Uh, I don't think it's that way in the story. And I was going to say, I didn't know what to make of Tendulion the first time through the books because he wasn't great in the game. Tress Marigold also was not great in the game. She was much better and in much more of it. Like, I like Tress a lot coming out of the game, whereas Dandelion, I'm like, eh... This doesn't seem like a needed character. But then you read Dandelion, you know, the real Dandelion in the books, you're like, okay, this is a brilliant and totally needed best buddy with Geralt, who Geralt claims to hate and yell all the time, and he just keeps just staying and coming and staying and coming. Need that character. Need that Yaskier. Um, and, and so, actually, maybe he'll try harder to call him Yaskier or Jaskier because it is a bit of a spiritual transformation. He does get to this place in the book in terms of maturity and self-awareness, uh, he continues to make inappropriate jokes at inappropriate times because that's his shtick and he's a bard and if the troubadours and the comedians can't do it then who's gonna do it that's the whole point of stand-up comedy is they say the offensive stuff that, and the musicians say the offensive stuff or the real truthy truthy stuff that, that we don't want to say and sometimes don't want to hear that's Dandelion that, as, as I said you know in, in my um, 40 minute you know A plus 10 out of 10 review podcast for, for the season of The Witcher uh, all the characters for necessity because there's only 8 episodes with so much material in two books, but also setting up the huge five-book series saga, series pentology with Blood of Elves next season, that was extra work too, plus expanding on series Time in the Woods, plus expanding hugely the background of not only Yennefer, but all the main sorcerers, or many of the main sorceresses, and the teacher of the sorceress, that we don't get directly in the books, certainly not to that quantity. All the series scenes are tender, and actually makes it extra tense because you are so clearly like, I'm going to defend this girl if I get the chance. You know, she's just that kind of young young woman. And everyone starts off sweetly with Siri, but then some of them turn turn hostile, or she doesn't know how to deal with it, and it makes it more tense because you want everyone to love her and take care of her in the horrible situation. Obviously, we were privileged information. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So this is all straight from the book in feel. I'm sure there's tons of lines. I'm not a line memorizer. I should have said that earlier. I have very uh, good memory of sort of particular character moments that are funny or dark or scary, uh, like a lot of people who read, um, but also like the metaphysical religious spiritual stuff. Obviously, if you listen to Bizzlecast, I pay a lot of attention to, um, but also, you know, the sweet friendships and the, you know, I love the, uh, the, the, the platonic male friendship, the platonic male female friendship, platonic female female friendship, and, and we get all of that. Um, but with Geralt, it had to be just Jaskier, um, like in the books. And I, I, I don't. I, with the uh, with the possibility that I'm repeating myself somewhat, while Yennefer is the co-lead, Dandelion with, with you know it's the three Yennefer, Siri, and, and Geralt, and like in the book, if you had a sort of one A slash one B co-lead who came in and out, would it clearly be the combination of Jaskier and King Dandelion and Triss Marigold, who are my two major things I didn't love from the game and thought would worked way better in the books. It's already working way better here with Jaskier. Uh, not everyone's thrilled with uh, with Triss Marigold. At first, I thought it was the same people who weren't thrilled with Anya Chalot because she's not white but uh, that doesn't seem to be the case I think they, they restrain Trist too much in terms of being interesting uh, but she's kind of a straight ahead good guy I think they play Triss as Triss she's a little bit more motherly than sisterly in terms of age and how I think they're going to play her with Siri. Um, but it's important because you know she, she can't be that much younger or younger seeming than Yennefer um, this scene goes on really long in the books and is what you really miss it is the, the good creature here is immediately in sort of physical control but the two of them don't just get knocked out super fast and then in front of the elves and it's important because 
in addition to Peter Kenny talking like a goat man for 20 minutes, which can be kind of grating, but it's a brilliant performance talking like a true goat man. Um, but they have a huge philosophical discussion, and it's the first major philosophical discussion. Practical effects, great. Goat man, why not? Um, it's the first major philosophical discussion we get between a monster and Geralt. It ends up working. It's not only Ger- does Geralt convince the elves to let him go, but he really turns this guy to his side in front of the elves. And again, with brilliant minimalistic filmmaking, they are able to convey that this guy flips during the final confrontation of the elves where, you know, they're, they're saying, we're going to kill you guys. We don't care. And he gives them the whole, you know, I'm a witcher, not a human speech. Yeah. You, Geralt always knows when the beings are truly intelligent right away. And you think he's going to beat the shit out of him, but that's not what Geralt does. Look at him. He's already sympathizing with the creature and like, dude, just move to another area. So, it's not a matter of screen time because everything with Tosiah and Yennefer and, you know, and Franchella and the, 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 these young enchantresses, many of whom, like I said, are going to become super powerful, influential for the good guys, bad guys, and otherwise... Um, but specifically as the character interaction and study between Tosia and, uh, and Piglet, aka Yennefer. I want, I'm pretty sure that they're gonna make it clear that part of the reason she calls Siri the ugly one, when Siri's clearly not ugly, is partially because of her own, you know, com- semi-funny but semi-abusive, uh, being called Piglet by her teacher. Look at this acting. I mean, the problem is, by the time she becomes gorgeous at the end of the next episode... It's like, it almost gets too easy to be Yennefer at that point. Um, and that's why they keep bringing back memories and flashbacks of this character. Because when you, the more you come back to this version of Yennefer, and this was one of the great things they could expand. They didn't have time in the books, but what we know was the case, this transformation and what she went through in society and her sisters and reaching power, but becoming too powerful too fast and kind of has an evil side. She seems like just a poor victim who has a great heart. And that's ultimately what Garrett falls in love with. And I'll have to watch one of the things for this commentary, specifically, there are a few moments I'm like, okay, I need to do a commentary just to focus on this enough. But in the book, the only time we really hear about or learn of the Anna was once this this you know look didn't didn't look great to most people and was you know clearly hunchbacked and deformed before transformation there's like a brief mind meld during the craziness after Geralt makes the third wish uh, which he doesn't tell her about binding them together but saves her life he has a brief Vulcan mind meld with her and and, and remembers that moment this this time and specifically falls in love with her. she he's already falling in love with her how beautiful and seductive and interesting and complicated she is but it's this it's th- seeing this in her and under Understanding why she's so power- insecure and or power hungry, which are related, is because she went through this and she looked like this, had to go through other people dealing with the fact that she looked like this and not such a nice way. And that's part of what he falls in love with. You have to fall in love with people because of their flaw, individual flaws and not just in spite of them. And she takes a very long for her to understand that. Um, So I think, um, I, oh, anyway, I, I don't I, I've now seen twice the, the Last Wish episode, but I haven't watched the end closely enough to know if he has a brief flash of her ugliness and, and hunchbackness or whatever you want to call it. Um, certainly when she thought she was ugly. This is so tender, though, is that this guy Istred, is, yes, is kind of spying on her, and she's kind of spying on him. 
you know, as always happens with powerful people in film and television, but he genuinely has a thing for this Yennefer. Not, you know, Anya Chalotra looking in real life, but with purple eyes and gorgeous clothing, but she's gorgeous in real life as Anya Chalotra. But this character is what he's in love with, and it mirrors and will be reflected in Geralt also being in love with it. I, I, my worry is that they don't give us that moment, which is what convinces me about Geralt the most, is that he falls in love with her because, and not only in spite of l- learning the truth about what she'd look like and who she was in the past, because it shows that she did have a good heart, and get, m- making her beautiful and getting more powerful has been a huge sort of personal curse to her. Again, in this season, in episode 7 and 8, as it ends, we need all good guys that are available, or possible good guys. Yennefer's one of them, but she has her head straight, and it's the end of the world, and shows she's a major good guy, you know, once she has the pump-up speech from Saya and her sisters are dying, and so forth. But, I honestly... This is one of those, I almost don't want to look to see if this is in the lore at all. It's possible this rope, I mean, I know they know each other. I don't know when it happens. Excuse me, um, Istred, but them having a romance while she's still in her pre-transformation state is what I'm trying to get to. I don't remember, but I think it's great because it pays off later while Geralt's still infatuated with her and she's literally under his spell uh, with the genie, um, he comes to meet beautiful Yennefer, and he immediately dislikes how selfish and inwardly ugly. So she goes from inwardly beautiful, um, at least most of the time, and outwardly so-called, so quote-unquote, ugly to other people, to most people, to flipping it. And we, we see this with beauty in both sexes, all genders, all types of people. And beauty can totally be a curse. And it gets way worse than selfishness and vanity. It, it's you, you, your ugliness. If you don't deal with your ugliness on the inside, it flips to the outside. And, and but you also have the, the, the sort of, um, the, the liars, what do they call it? Um, uh, like a failure complex. Like, you, you look like you're powerful, and you act powerful, and so other people assume you're powerful without taking into account your insecurities, but not especially with you not taking into account of your own insecurities, and that you're actually a fraud. It's a, it's a fraud. What's the term? You know, it's thinking you're a fraud, even if you're not. You know, everyone's putting on a front, right? That's why they say act like you know. doesn't know what you know. It's who you know and, and, how, and how you do it. Um, act like you know. Siri totally is unable to act like she knows ever, which is why they need to train her immediately, because she is the most honest. She cannot tell, not only can Siri not tell a lie, she can't shut her mouth, even during important moments when she should shut her mouth and not say the things she's thinking about, as we'll see starting in Blood of Elves, old-ass witchers who try and boss her around and be older brothers or dads, like Vesemir and Geralt, to give her a hard time, and she always pushes back, and she'll even push back against the women that try and help her, like Triss and Yennefer, um, ultimately ends up trusting them at different times to different levels, um, so quick side note from before I think Triss was a great casting the more I watch her but we'll know for sure at the beginning of season 2 because the big part of season 2 is Triss coming at Geralt's behest because he, he you know him and Yennefer aren't talking and so the next best uh in terms of power, but also, you know, someone he knows well um, is Triss. We'll see if they imply a relationship between now and then, uh, if they actually have one, if they have one at Kaer Morin. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. There's definitely romance between them at some point. If you play the game, you've seen that as well with Triss Marigold, who is very good in the game, but with an American accent, like Dandelion, it's just a little off to the actual character. She's also too young looking in the game. You know, she only looks like Ciri's age, even though I think she's 
you know, Yennefer's age, and while they can make themselves look ageless, her looking a little bit more in her late 20s, early 30s for Tress in this series, because the beginning of, of season two, which is the Blood of Elves book, is is her coming to care more and being horrified that this teenage girl is not being given any feminine allotments whatsoever. And she's even starting to have her period, and nobody's doing anything about it, because she's no one to talk about. There's no women. The men don't even want to talk about it or think about it, and they're not even thinking about it, because they're so old dudes, you know, like, literally old school dudes who are super old, you know, are not thinking about this. They're just trying to protect her, and Triss absolutely loses it on Geralt. This lightning thing is cool. This is very Harry Potter. This is like if you brought Harry Potter into the, you know, the darker world of Game of Thrones, for sure, where we see this sort of tense, you know, uh, uh, comparative uh, displays of, of, of magic, but not being sure what it means. Like, if you get a lot of lightning, but you can't control it, versus a little lightning, you can control it. You know, comparative power stuff. Um, hopefully people enjoyed this, whether they're huge fantasy or not. Um, you know, you, you're waiting for one of Yennefer, based on rules of film and literature, she's going to be the third or fourth. Uh, she could be the fifth or sixth if they speed through a couple. This girl just gets blasted, I think. Yep. This is, of course, mirroring. There's only, like... I thought it was six or seven survived uh, the Witcher test, but apparently it's where six or seven die, and only three survive the Witcher test, and this happens here, too, and, um... In the uh, Enchantress Academy. Uh, I like that they're supporting each other, and actually the girls mostly don't pick on her and are rooting for her, which informs the fact that even the bad uh, mages, the bad sorceresses like Franchilla, the beautiful African uh, lady um, who we've seen already get somewhat, you know, uh, deformed or whatever, who becomes a bad guy, but even them, they respect Yennefer. And it's important they see her in this early phase. Um, but as I've said, her power then informs her vanity. She gets beautiful, but she can't stop hating herself. Now she gets zapped by a much bigger blast. But she's not hurt. So she's showing power. Uh, as I was saying earlier was, so the teacher's big speech in the end is, you know what, Yennefer, I've been telling you to control the chaos. Don't control the chaos. Let out the chaos. We need, you know, it's um, it, it's exactly the exchange between Hulk and Natasha at the end of Avengers where um, uh, Mark Ruffalo comes, you know, on the little bike. You know, no one thinks Hulk's coming back. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner's coming back in moment of need. Oh, here's big power. Boom. Sorry. The, the she's pushing I mean that's the thing it seems like abuse and it kind of is verbal abuse but she is specifically trying to push the buttons of Yennefer because she can tell that Yennefer is just that powerful and she ends up being right she's also right in the end that she just needs to let out the chaos in moment of need um, and that's the sort of you know Obi-Wan Yoda pump up speech later she says it's pathetic and dangerous and she, right the truth is it was very powerful they're majors like Sabrina who ignore their emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just did majors like us. Yep. It's starting to hit Yennefer that she, she's getting the most picked on because she's the most powerful and the most like the teacher. And so the teacher is worried and she wants to be proud of this young woman, but she's going to have to push her around in, her, in their worlds and push her buttons. If I send you to advise a king... Right. Right. She wants her to purge 
her wild side and the in the wild side from good to people can actually be good they're like those people who are very emotional and effusive maybe they suffered from depression in real life maybe not but like you know when they're around other people they're people's people and they love you know and they're always smiling and laughing like Jennifer I think at this point has that side to her but also has the unpredictability in the wild card factor and her wild side and the teacher saying we got to control your wild side I'm going to admit to you that you're powerful and I'm giving you special attention but we got to control it and you know she does get Yennefer you know 80-90% along the path of insanely powerful but in the end like I said she's we'll get to Tosiah is going to tell her you know what ignore some of at least some of what I said before and uh, let, 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 let the beast loose oh right so Bruce Banner goes it looks like New York half destroyed this lot looks horrible and then Tasha goes to him you know with her cute smile i've seen worse and mark ruffalo looks at her somewhat wryly coyly but also you know embarrassingly saying sorry about that meaning turned into the hulk and tried to kill you and natasha just goes no we could use a little worse that's essentially what happens with the end of the end of the first season is tosiah her teacher being like remember that stuff about chaos we could use a little bit more of that chaos we could use a little worse i think the bigger problem is what makes this entire story great, which is like the second or third to last story of The Last Wish, and is the origin story of Dandelion, we don't get the full one like with Yennefer, that's the point. We don't, Dandelion doesn't exist really before, Geralt, let's be honest, he's not super famous before Geralt, and we're going to get to the song coming up, which saves the whole thing, but the elves are actually evil, more evil than they act here, um, and way more complicated. It, it, the environment is actually way more tense and not this funny. The goat stuff is funny, and the post stuff is funny. This is a little bit too funny uh, compared if again i am cool with this I, i'm talking about if we're doing a straight comparison to the books but the bigger problem is right it's very staged like with a small area here where it's a goat and just a couple of elves in the book you imagine that they're in a pretty big glade and that while there's only a few uh, leading elves in, in, and they got this right with the man and the woman who has some you know competing views some similar views and the goat creature's heart is already turning and being like I, I, this is what i signed up for is torturing these people you know I, I thought whatever so they nailed that with the goat really quickly but the point is is the actual events of this tale are not what make it important in its scope as a tale, in the scope of the entire Last Wish book, or in the Witcher mythology. It's all about the long, extended philosophical conversation between Geralt and the goat, and then Geralt and the elf slash elves. And they get to the core of it, and they get to the root of it. But what's brilliant is, even though I'm saying this is the storyline they should have made longer of all the stories in the first season, um, to make it both more funny stuff, but also more serious stuff here, this speech that he's giving, from now until they're let go, and then Dandelion starts joking and writing the song, This there's a lot of this back and forth in the book. And I understand you can't necessarily do that on TV. Um, But it was important for The Witcher to be like, I don't trust humans either, and don't call me human. You know, I may not go through what you go through as an elf, but I get stones thrown at me, and no one likes me or wants to talk to me, and so you can kill me if you want, and then of course, you know, he's like, you can kill me if you want, but you know, do it now, and then Dandelion gives him props for reverse psychology. They do naturalize Dandelion's language a tiny bit, but for television and this more likable character, yeah, got to do it. I'm a little three and a half wall breaking, if not fourth wall breaking from that type of character. But what's great is Dandelion starts singing the amazing song, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, um, which I'm going to either have put in the front or the end of this episode. Um, Again, I hope you're listening or have listened to this extended speech because this is almost straight from the book. It's just condensed. But his line of argument and philosophy, moral, uh, his moral philosophizing with the elf and the elf's retorts and, and his you know attempted moral philosophizing back is straight from the book just wish we had more time but the song 
by ha- having a song with numerous choruses, but also numerous verses, there's a part early on, and you talked about, you know, the, the horned devil, you know, beating them to shit or whatever. They don't really do in the episode. And Geralt says, as we'll see, that's not what happened. You know, what happened to your respect for the material or something? And then Dandelion has a great line where he says, like, respect isn't history, or history isn't made by respect or something like that. And he goes on and he finishes the song, and then we get the amazing, we don't get, I don't think anywhere else in the series, and it's something that Lauren Hesrick and people of her ilk, who worked on all the Defender series and JJ and, and Daredevil and so forth and, and other things, they know that, uh, uh, you know, a, a montage can be very effective at the end of occasional episodes, but you don't want it to be the first or the last. And, and they do with the amazing Dan, uh, Bard, uh, Jaskier, a.k.a. Jaskier, a.k.a. Dandelion, a.k.a. Dandelion, a.k.a. Julian's song here. And he goes right back to his song, and he makes Geralt famous. And I'm, I've been talking a ton in previous podcasts about Geralt does not ask to be made famous, but for survival purposes, and for him ultimately to get what he wants, which is call in favors with powerful people, he does need to get famous. And he doesn't appreciate what Dandelion's doing enough. Now, in the books, it, it's, it seems way more selfish on Dandelion's part. Here, you know, the, the selfishness and arrogance co- comes from a bit of naivete. You know, he's always throwing up when he sees violence, even though he's with the Witcher all the time, is, is Yaskier. Um, the ears look great by the way I, I like how practical the goat creature looks they didn't overdo it he didn't have to say too much and the elves look like Lord of the Rings elves I mean they nailed it in the original if anything it went down in the Hobbit just because the filming looked worse here comes the Witcher theme um, but anyways they tell they, they even though Geralt says that's not what happened, he's referring to what happened in this story in this episode of television, but a lot of it actually is more true to what happens in the story. And so we get the book unbelievably in one of the greatest television comp- compositions in, in recent memory that I can think of. I don't know what to compare to. Throw uh, toss the coin to your Witcher. He tells the full the fuller version of the story, and I guess all I'm saying is you guys got to go ahead and read the fucking Last Wish and the Sword of Destiny, the two books. But just for the actual written down intros of Dandelion in this particular story and Yennefer in the Last Wish, Genie in a Bottle story, immediately I think we cut to Dandelion here, right? Uh, no, they try and keep us in suspense. Yeah, they've already set a kind of funny tone. I think there, of all places, maybe you do the quick switch to them riding away and Dandelion being like, brilliant, brilliant, that little whole reverse psychology thing is brilliant. And, uh, by the way, you didn't need a romance with this man, a physical romance with this man, to make the ugly duckling story of Yennefer, which, again, we knew some about, but wasn't realized nearly this fully in the actual books. We don't really meet her till the genie story. Um, we get prequel stuff from, you know, uh, about her here and there in the books and the video games and so forth. It, it's pretty coherent, all the various stories we get. And they do that, and then they try and make this story as touching um, but real and understanding as possible. And this this guy just is unbelievably filled with charisma. I know I've already been praising Vilgefort, who doesn't come in till towards the end. In both cases, they're not what they seem, and they're working for bad people. But this guy is actually good-hearted, even if he's being manipulated by someone. Again, the, the, some of the politics, guys, don't be ashamed. It doesn't all make sense. This is my second or third viewing of the episodes. I've read the books and the games tons of times, uh, and some of the stuff with the secondary and tertiary uh, political figures 
confusing. <laughs> Vilgefortz is not one of them. Um, and so when he showed up at the end of the season, which I'd heard was going to happen, you know, I'm going to focus in. But two young people of color just absolutely killing it as sort of good guys, sort of bad guys in the lives of Yennefer. Um, and while these... Everyone falls in love with Yennefer. I mean, it, but but this guy specifically falls in love with this Yennefer and is actually very turned off by when he meets her later. And he's just like, oh, you're just a superficial, power-hungry, vain piece of shit, basically, which is basically the case. I mean, if you boil it right down to... She's in her worst part, her worst stage, you know. She's killing clients because they call her bad names and murdering their babies. I mean, she's a horrible person till Geralt meets her and continues so on and off for a while. Um... And I wasn't mad when they made this romantic, if only because I didn't expect them to have the guts to do this much uh, Hunchback Yennefer in general, but to do a sex scene with Hunchback Yennefer, now it helps you have a young, gorgeous woman, and I think they wanted to show off that most of the work was done on her face, uh, essentially. She got a face, you know, she got a face job. She got a magical, you know, wizard, sorcerer, sorceress level, uh, you know, uh, facelift, or whatever you want to call it. He loves her here, and I can't remember where this guy is politically later. I know he at least plays this role, so he's tormented that he's kind of spying on her, but he does feel something, um, and... Uh even though I'm usually one for a little less romance or at least romance that's never realized like Jin and Cassian that's still super hot and simmering but we don't really need to see for various reasons use our imagination for what happened or what might have happened or what could have happened under different circumstances or whatever Um, and I am wanting to just get back to Dandelion and Geralt, and that's a huge credit to the, to the makers of this show, the directors and or writers of this episode, and these two actors in particular in their amazing chemistry and, and timing, and taking the long pauses and everything um, between stuff. What just happened? The portal open? Was that her? Oh, uh, was he encouraging? Was he? Ch- he's trying to do the soft sell that the teacher's not doing. So even though the teacher is actually on her side and this guy isn't, but he he loves her more. Um, you know, from from a deep standpoint, even if he doesn't know what to do with it and can't, you know, act on it the way he wants to. How did you do that on your first try? Yep. And this is what the teacher's already seen. So you know, again, this guy. Isred, I'm I'm gonna really here go on what we're seeing on screen, not what's necessarily in the book, which is this guy really looks tormented, and even when he's spying, you know, we find he's spying on her or whatever, looks tormented and, and wants to help her and loves her. Um, and then of course we get the elf later, uh, in, in the genie story who has a thing for her that's played up way more in the book, but he's very well aware that it's a physical attraction. And while he's je- ultimately jealous of Geralt, even though warning Geralt away from evil, super powerful Yennefer with the genie at that point, Geralt of course ignores him. And then they, the last wish and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a nice contrast where it's an elf. By the way, she's quarter elven. I can't believe I've gone two full episodes without mentioning that. If you didn't pick up on that, she's a quarter elf, which is part of why she doesn't have a dad because he was half elf he got murdered during the purging of the elves and the dwarves and the magic users which we're going to see again and again themes of genocide ethnic cleansing hatred and so forth um the violence of hatred um is, is it here they just go at it um but uh I think this is the lowest rate. I mean, it's still like an 8.2. It's the lowest rated episode. It's usually the second one that slows down a little too fast in seasons. But again, the problem here was they really, just for 2 and 3, should have made 2 the Dandelion story and, and 3 the the Yennefer story. It is what I would have done. And not, I wouldn't have changed the structure anywhere else. 
once they decided to mesh those two together in episodes two and three, I was totally fine with it. I love how they do it. But it's on the strength of Yennefer and the, and the guy who plays Isred, um, and, and obviously Tessiah here. Uh, it's on the strength of those three actors that we keep not only being cool with, but even if it's a little resting that we jump out of the Dandelion story at times, we're immediately in because of these lead actors here. You know, even if this is in some ways a paint by numbers, but uh, uh, paint by numbers, oh, you're ugly and unpowerful, but actually you're not ugly and you're super powerful kind of, you know, Disney stories. Yep, here we go. Oh, Benard, Benard's another, Vilgefort's Benard. All right, they're already introducing all the baddies, guys. Look, he's tormented. She's part elf. He just, oh, he totally sells her out. Totally sells her out because now they know that she's going to be one of the most powerful or could be one of the most powerful. All right, so Lars is Stregobor. I sh- I'm such an idiot. It's Lars Mikkelsen. Of course, Stregobor is coming back. I just had forgotten it was so soon. And, and they don't stress this too much. We, they, they're just sort of teasing with, obviously, Stregobor is the lead in the first episode that tricked Geralt, um, or like triple tricks Geralt. Um, but then here with the spy with Yennefer, who's now in love with Yennefer, doesn't know what to do. She's revealed she's elf. <coughs> this is horrifying. Jesus Christ. Siri has to see this constantly. She's got to be fully traumatized. She already saw her, her her entire kingdom and family burned at a distance. Here's the elf boy. Again, I forget how much this kid's in the book, but having her have an elf buddy was important because we just saw the elves being borderline, you know, bad or just, you know, retribution filled um, with with the with the dandelion uh, um, Gandalf, uh, Geralt's, um, you know, goat guy, elf people. Sorry, um, here's the maybe an elf guardian, maybe Dooney, maybe an elf from another dimension. I'm still not sure, guy. Um, and to contrast that with a young elf. It doesn't matter that he's black. It's just a young elf um, who looks like someone who would be friends with Siri based on their ages, um, helping her over and over again. And even the dryads, oh, I mean, the dryads actually are, end up being way more straight up benevolent and um, permissive in here. They make them really straight up good guys. In the books, they really threaten to either kill Siri or keep her in capture forever, and Geralt has to work that out. Um, but they they wanted more of just a. Um, a time of adventure where the tension was coming from the fake uh, the druid actually that she grew up with uh, Malsak and not not the druids or whatever um, again I'll have to go back to the literature there's the flower oh here's Tosaya speaking elder so you know like in Tolkien's system um, and, and Feist and a lot of the fantasy people if you have elves and the power comes from the ancient elves in most of these systems although we will see dragons as well but mostly comes from elves is that you know you can become powerful in utter words from the the elder blood tongue the elder tongue or the elf, old elfish tongue or whatever you want to call it you can utter it in cast spells before you really understand the language but you are playing with fire figuratively and literally if you do so I do not understand what's going on here. This was so so Yennefer was thinking she would get invited to this initiation, but this initiation uh, turns into her turning four students into slugs or eels for reasons that are completely unknown. She knows Yennefer, you know, she she wanted to mislead Yennefer so that Yennefer would sneak here so that she would get this lesson. And against all odds, this old, this harsh old woman, I'm going to make Yennefer smile, and Dandelion is going to basically make Geralt smile, insofar as he can smile. 
in episode where it seems like on both storylines it could go either way. As I said before, snakes terrify me. Uh, but eels, for some reason, because they're in the water and they look a little different, they move a little different, usually don't bother me as much. We'll see how snaky they look. Yeah, they look a little snaky here. Uh, just the proportions of it, you know. They, they look like mini dragons. She's a conduit. I'm going to have to read the wiki, uh, guys, for all the episodes in comparison to the sort of official wiki from the books. Sometimes the best thing a player can do for us is die, right? This is the whole Jedi's have to die thing. Thing is, there's so many Star Wars comparisons in the books. But as usual, they're not. He's not pulling uh, tropes from, you know, from Star Wars. He's pulling tropes from Tolkien and Dune in terms of recent authors. I mean, Lucas is pulling from Dune. Everyone's pulling from Dune. People say, oh, this is like a Skywalker Messiah thing, but they're all pulling from Paul Atreides and Leto the second Atreides from Dune. This is exactly who Anakin, uh, and if you add Ingamina, the twin sister, it's exactly Luke, Leia, and, and Vader. Here we go. Yep, it is Phil of Andral. So that's the one attempt of connective tissue between the powerful elf that everyone has knows about or heard about. These guys confront him. He's very unking-like, although I will say in the story, one of the many notable things is you expect the elves, even if they're poor, to be somewhat kind of regal and majestic. Um, and the fact that they're sort of huddled poor masses is a little surprising at first, but you realize it's the right narrative choice to complicate the situation. We needed Geralt to either express that he felt bad for them or just know already based on only a few stories with Geralt um, that he would feel bad for them. But that's why he's totally practical. He tells them the brutal truth. They have to leave and go elsewhere or they'll die. That's a sign that he cares for them, but he just can't, he can't uh, admit it that way. Here comes the song. This is it. This is it. When I heard the Witcher theme, but especially Dandelion's first big song, and of course they keep referencing it because it's the best. And it was the one that they released ahead of time and got people so pumped because it's just the amount of it starts almost you know cheesy troubadour music but you start listening to the lyrics and you're like wow this is great lyricism written by a, a, a young female composer by the way Sophia something who's amazing he did the soundtrack um, as a lead music person wrote this and, you know Joey Batsy who plays jazz care performed it both live, obviously, and then they mix it with the, the epic studio cut, but it gets super epic, and everyone, whether their musical background or not, has to admit it's great. Right, where's your newfound respect? That's not what happened. Yes, Gear says. Respect doesn't make history. That might be a platitude. That might make no sense, but it sure makes Geralt think. You have plenty. Oh, valley, you have plenty. Oh. Here comes the closest we'll get to a Geralt smile outside of Yennefer. Has it happened? Now he's really looking at nature, which is always how he... Like the elves, that's why he's close to the elves. Is they, they, they feel the most at home in nature. Yep, there he is. There's the smile. There's the smile. He likes this guy. He's going to push him away numerous times. He's going to yell at Dandelion, Yaskier, constantly. But God, is this song beautiful. But he's going to love this guy. They had to nail that. They nailed it earlier and better. And so to go all around, I think Yennefer has more time on screen than those two guys, even though I expected this episode, once it started, to be completely about the goat to the elves and Dandelion and, and uh, Geralt. But it's so touching and on point what they do do. And then ending it with the montage, and I was going to say, Lauren Hissrick, the showrunner, was like, okay, we can get away with one major montage. Now's the time to do it as everyone's starting to move towards potential. Of course, next episode is super dark uh, it, it's scary. The darkest and scariest. Pour him some mail. Toss a coin to your witcher. Valley of plenty. 
Oh man, it's beautiful. Mmm, Eretuza. Now that she's looking at the the eels. So she has a vision here because she's about to look at her teacher and have a really sweet, accomplished smile. Brilliant to have the song play over other people's stories, though. And this is the song that makes Dandelion famous and Geralt famous, and it makes Dandelion famous because it makes Geralt famous and vice versa. Friend of humanity. Here's the smile. I guess she. I guess Yennefer is starting to realize the greater plan uh, of this woman with the various students. Are they dead? Do they stay as eels? Uh, 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 totally unclear. And these lyrics about the Witcher should not make sense or work at all with this. But look at how they time it in the Yennefer smile. Guys, it's just going to go downhill in terms of Yennefer being a good guy. I'm sorry to tell you, we're not going to get sort of Scarlet Witch multiple, you know, good guy multiple movies. Um, so thank you for joining me uh, joining me for episode two. Can't wait to do the rest of the series. Next one's really scary. Um, you know, I never turn away, especially during commentaries, but next one is there's a few shots of the Striga, the undead bride or whatever, undead mother. Uh, they're pretty horrifying, but even more so is the very bloody, gruesome uh, physical transformation of Yennefer, which is less magical and more sort of physical, at least in manifestation, than I had thought from the book. We will talk about that. This was written by television by Jenny Klein. As I've said, Large Mint Hissrick is the boss a lot of women, and, you know, Jessica Jones boasted having, you know, the first time with women doing most or all the writing and direction. I didn't love subsequent Jessica Jones seasons. The first one had a great mix of men and women. Uh, this is vastly women on all sides, which, again, Sapkowski can deny being a feminist all he wants, but he, as you will see, as this, if you haven't already seen him with the strong female characters and the focus on the female characters and how powerful and complicated they are, you will see it soon. I love that these hours are an episode. I can't wait to keep seeing these characters mature, make bad decisions, mature from them, make bad decisions, make good decisions, and then everyone's backs against the wall and just like, fuck it, we gotta be good. <laughs> let's be bad guys. <laughs> it's more like, let's be good guys. To reverse paraphrase Jane from Firefly. By the way, this is totally a series I think Joss Whedon loves. He's probably already read the books uh, and or played the games. I would love to see Whedon do a couple episodes when this becomes, you know, as number one leading mainstream show, if it's not already, that I've been predicting and hoping and it looks like it's happening. Thank you for joining me. Next episode, um, again, is, is somewhat disturbing, uh, to say the least. Betrayer Moon, um, season one, episode three. But for now, thank you for joining me. Love this series. Love this property. Hope you guys are enjoying and loving it with me. Bizzle out.